Hey there. Before we got started, we want to say a quick thank you to our host, Muse on Minis. For years now, Muse on Minis has been the industry leader in beautiful, high-quality tabletop accessories. From tokens to widgets to terrain and more across a wide variety of games, Muse on Minis has everything you could possibly need to complete your tabletop wargaming experience. Head to MuseOnStore.com to see what new innovations the fellas come up with next. That's MuseOnStore.com. Musing and amusing accessories for every gamer. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of Full Tilt. My name is Steven and I play Scorn. Nigel and I play Mark IV. Oh my god. Whoa. A future, a, a time traveler. Today we are joined by uh, a killer Canadian, the great uh, Matt, make Matt Matt Waters. That was, that was, that was close. Very yeah. close. Thank you. Um, greetings, everyone. It is I. Uh, uh, finally, Canada's third prodigal son. Well, no, we had Corey Doyle on once. He's second prodigal son. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who who has the better beard out of the two of you? Because his is pretty fierce. Um. So so I mean, Doyle's the handsomer one. I mean, like he's been on a uh, on a getting healthy kick, and he's been very oh. successful. Ugh. And uh, and he's he's a beautiful man. So <laughs> I mean, it's pro- probably his beard. Though my beard is like quite nice right now i do have to say i've gotten a few compliments so it's pretty pretty nice it's looking pretty good i i had to shave mine down because my son would reach up and grab like just underneath my chin and yank down as hard as possible because he's only five months old and let me tell you there is no pain quite like that holy shit piss your pants uh but matt you recently uh won a uh, a local event or something is that is that right are we, are we talking OTC or Adepticon? Oh shit! You won too? Wow! They will look at you. Oh, I did. My team won OTC. I wow! Yeah, <laughs> we. I did. I did. I did do. I did win Adepticon recently, and uh, my team did really well at OTC. Um, but yeah, yeah. Just, just kind of joking around. My team was great. Love those guys. And Adepticon was super fun. Yeah, but you played. Uh, did you play Scorn for both, or just for Adepticon? Uh, I did. I basically played Makeda two through almost every game. Uh, I played Makeda 2 pretty much every game at, at OTC. And then at uh, Adepticon, I played Jalam three times and Makeda the rest. Oh, he's the man. He's so cool. Um, yeah, he's, he is like the most unscorned scorn caster, and I love him for it. Yeah, which is, you know, probably why I love him so much, which is not great for me because I played scorn for 10 years. And it's like, oh, my favorite thing about scorn is the guy that's not very, very scorny. Oh. I mean, he, he is oh so scorny, though. That's true. I do kind of miss the days of Scornergy. Just, you know, the salt in the wounds, but it's nice that the faction works. I admit that it's beneficial. Uh, but anyway, so you're, you talked about your lists with uh, Dan and Evan on the Future Set podcast. We don't really want to go into the games too much unless you want to touch on them, like blaze through them real fast, your OTC ones or your anything notable from those games if you want. Um, no, I mean, I, I think the the only thing that's really important about the games is that um, just like before we get into like anything about matchups or anything like that is that I went into the cons with like targeted games and like an idea of what I would be playing against. And I got the exact games I thought I would play against every round. Nice. Um, which is like a very unusual circumstance, right? Like. You, if you go into a con and you play twelve games, 
the odds of you running into exactly what you had practiced and planned for yeah. is like not super high. Um, the only the only matchup. So I played two matchups that weren't against Lilith Four or CG. And Jesus. yeah, yeah. And one of them was against Keith uh, Christensen playing Wormwood into me, which I actually had a ton of practice into anyways, like coincidentally. Yeah. And then the other one was Nate in the finals playing the most off meta Legion pairing that was also coincidentally just like savagely well aimed and teched. And uh, uh, I like just a great pairing in general. And I was not prepared for, but um yeah, the games the games were great overall. Um, great opponents, great times, and uh, it was good as I left to just hear people excited about Scorn again, and hear people talking about playing it, which was like really cool. Um, to see like the positive impact of being like, here's something new and like fun and like cool and interesting in the faction, and everyone's like, oh shit, I haven't played Scorn in since Zol two or like whatever, yeah. and like, yeah, and like now they're like, oh, I can play all this other shit. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can. Like, go. Go go oh. forth and conquer. God, it's a whole faction. And Zal 2, it's got to be the most boring list in the game. Ugh. Just retire it already. Get it out of here. So I, I think Zal 2 has things that are fun about it. And I think you can even do some cool things with Zal 2. Um, I just think that the way everyone and their mother played Zal 2 for like four years or however long Zal 2 was relevant for, like 18 million years, um, was just like the most boring, arduous games of War Machine I've ever played. Yeah. Like, I love Jake Wilstrop. He's one of my favorite people to hang out with. But like, I could have fallen asleep during the games we played. Like, like <laughs> it's like no one wants to play. No one's excited to play against Zalt. Yeah, when I get home, I'm gonna go and play my Zalt two list, and hopefully, I'll play the Mirror, and then we can both <laughs> take a nap during our game. Oh my god! Yeah, that 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 list was completely solved. Pretty much the immortal list. It was just how many battle engines versus how many units. And that is problematic, I think, whenever a list gets to that point. Well, but yeah. I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that I think there were, the caster himself, there is stuff to explore because I think if you take when Masters of War, you can still get really good use out of transference with Keltari and Ferox and stuff. Just they jump Hell in yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. You, t- you take Ancestral Guardians, Hakar. Yeah, it's good enough. And then you, you like your feet protects them. You get yep. boosts on your Ferox, so they're actually like insane. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah. I've I've definitely played it. It's super fun. Yeah, and the Keltari I think are a really great underrated chaff unit, especially with celerity like that. They, they just get everywhere. Yeah, Keltari are great. Um, the only problem I have with Keltari is like the 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 upper ceiling to their damage output make is like can be very frustrating. Yeah. Um, especially like like look. So for what it's worth, I played a lot of Zol One in Masters of War. Which, if you ever want to see a caster die really, really effectively, that is the <laughs> list to play. Um, nice. There's nothing like a last-standed unit of Ferox with with boost to hit from the feet and boost to damage from the feet and last-stand additional dice getting onto a caster. It is like the most disgusting thing. But yeah, so, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Pizal. Because I thought about playing him uh, last-standed to Keltaria pretty sweet because you can do like four five-man uh, CMAs and only the one guy pops. Yeah, yeah, or you can just do all attacks with them and then take use them to trigger all the shit. Sure. And then you like you also they're they're destroyed, so you also get the souls. Yeah. Which is like super sweet. That was like the my games with Zal One. It was just like last down Keltari. They go in and commit suicide. I get all the souls, and then like the souls go to like Hakar and other stuff in Zal, and then um, 
like the next turn I just get like all ten triggers from my feet and then like the last stand on whatever I need it to be on. Yeah. And that was like enough to just like, oh, I need to kill a caster or I need to kill like an entire card shift two battle group. Well, like I can just do that. Like that's fine. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. Yeah, there's so much stuff in scoring that's just slept on. I think for, you know, like you said, four years, it was basically all two and X. So people just don't, I don't know, people just don't explore. I, well, I, don't, I don't think this is a scoring specific problem, though. Yeah. No. It's, like, it's a boring, it's a lazy meta problem. Like, people are just so lazy. I mean, crap, I'm just, yeah, it's, it's not scoring related, but I'm in a different group asking about uh, Kador stuff. And I'm making this list, just trying to make Strack Off Two work, and everybody's just like, "Why don't you just play Stalingrad?" Like that's their, like, shut up, shut up, Ugh. shut up. But yes, so like with Scorn, you know, I was just, I was gonna make the point was like, "Uh oh, is people? We have all these tier lists that came out. You had Chaos, Chaos Born, and Full Tilt, and whatever. Everybody's making their tier maker. Scorn's gonna have to start creeping up to like the A tier, <laughs> and then yeah. like just, everybody just is like puts it entirely on like tournament results, and that's all that matters. And then they just have to like boil it down. They'll just use Matt's cat list, and then you know Makeda two or whatever. And although well, Makeda two is awesome, yeah. So so I mean, this is a good segue to talk about like I guess how I feel about the game in general and how I feel like uh, the community engaging in the game is kind of like a thing. Right. So like, mm-hmm. like if you guys just give me a second to walk this th- thought through, um, it's going to be, it's going to be a little bit longer, but uh, hopefully I can conquer it. Go ahead. Um, so one of the most frustrating things for me is I'm in a lot of chats. I'm in a lot of discords and I, I read them all. I, I, I try to be like, um, part of the conversations my friends have, mm. and um, I want to I want to help the people around me succeed. Um, years ago, when I was an up and coming War Machine player and just cutting, getting good, and all that stuff, um, I had a really weird experience of getting good at the game, where I started doing well and the people around me initially weren't like supportive. They were uh, diminishing my accomplishments, I guess you would say like, like, and, and it was, it was a really like weird experience of like, Oh, well, like you came second. Why didn't you win the finals or, um, you know, what, whatever the thing may be. And and, like, it was like, it felt bad. And one of the things that was like the, the context of it was that a lot of people said things that were like about matchups that were super hyperbolic to me. So like, um, Oh, of course you should have won that game because you always win the game that this matchup's really good for you. Or this caster always beats that caster or this always beats that, or this always loses to that or whatever stuff like that. And, and it was a thing that always bothered me because I lost so many games that I was told I should just win every time. Like, one of my like fa- like worst worst experiences was like Karchev one getting assassinated on the bottom of one by like two old weirds. Whoa! Mm. And I was like, this was like at a time where Karchev one was quote unquote unbeatable by circle. And after like after a year of people basically telling me like, oh, I can't believe you lost that game, or I can't believe you won like you won that game is the other side of it. Um, I started like and like having conversations with players who are like known for being the guys who make the list that are innovative, like 
Jake is a uh, is a good example of like he's a Legion player that only plays his own builds. Mm-hmm. He doesn't he doesn't copy anyone's stuff. He plays what he does like he practices and develops. And he yeah. does he does well with it. And after seeing that and seeing like Charles who plays his own Merc stuff and and so on and so forth, I realized like the the things that are good in this game aren't good because the majority of people agree that they're good. The things that are good in this game are good because they're targeted, practiced, and and thought out. And the people who play them and develop them put time and effort into solving solving the problems that they're presented with and understanding how they play. Um, yeah. And and that's one of the things that frustrates me most about conversations, like where you're like, "Hey, how do I make Strakov two work?" And someone's just like, "This is better than Strakov two. and you're just like. That's not my question. I didn't ask. Yeah. I didn't yeah. ask. Is an iPhone better than an Android? I, like that wasn't the question. I asked, it, "How do I make this thing do the thing I want it to do?" That uh, used to be so bad on the when the forums were active. Like you'd always be like, I, "Check out this sweet dojo." And it's like, "Oh, cool dojo, bro. Take your, your garbage." I don't think I don't think it's changed at all. I mean, if no, you just replace forum with Discord, Facebook, and whatever, That's it's the fair. same. It's exactly the same. I would say the people saying it are more polite. Um, but that's, you know, you don't have like darkness and zero soul and like the, the edgelord darkness, toxic crew, but like, um, you know, it's the same, it's the same, it's the cookie cutter. That's the worst part too. Why would you want to be a war machine cookie cutter? Like as a human being, you know, like, do you know how many people there are that is just going to say, if I, you know, I want to play Karchev one, why would you do that when you have Karchev two? Do you, that's, that's who you want to be in life. Like it's yeah. just this boring one note, same as the every other person guy. You know, it's like, yeah, you yeah, really are right. going full tilt over here, Jesus. Yeah, right, it's, it's, it's yeah. Well, I just it's like when you're when you're saying something, you know, um, yeah, it's really that whole like the, the key to being interesting is to be interested you know so it's like it not only are you trying to uh, give them advice through the lens of your own experience but you're also you do should pay them some sort of pretend you do the gymnastics like if it doesn't interest you just move on you don't have to say anything but it's like it's this bizarre take where like they've bothered you enough or whatever that you want to interact but you don't want to put any effort into it so you just say the stupidest thing possible it's like blah, 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 blah. just play play <laughs> this s tier stuff oh. and it's like so, you you don't even know what s tier is because you don't play it like you you know that's the same like jake you made the point about jake jake's always been like my poster child for the dude who's like you know he's played stuff that's like you, you the, the good side about jake is like he'll win and he's consistently good and legion players don't look to him for list list like advice. Like nobody's playing his list. Uh, they so, can't. so this is the thing. And this is like, this has been my experience in every group I've been a part of. And let me, maybe not every group. I'm, I'm being hyperbolic for no reason. I think that, um, the, 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 the trick here is to treat other people with the same treatment you would like to receive. So if you're in a chat and someone's like, hey, I'm really interested in this thing. What do you guys think about this thing? If your immediate response is to shit all over their entire life, then like you, you that's what you're putting out 
to receive for yourself. Like, if that's the community you want to be a part of, that it's just, like, overwhelmingly toxic and negative, and, like, no one wants to be around you, be in the chat with you, be a part of a conversation, then you're going to live a very unfun time in the hobby. It's going to be awful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think a lot of these guys are even trying to be negative. It's just, they're. it's like... They don't realize what they're doing. I, I think a lot of them, that's the problem with like, I think the community, a lot of them actually think they're being helpful. You know, they'll like tell you to basically slap more archons and use more archons, dude. And you know, whatever, just some boilerplate stuff that everybody could say about every list ever, you know, like, sure. and they just, I think they think they're actually being helpful or, you know, like they're applying and a lot of times. It's like, you can even tell it's not, there's like not a lot of experience behind what they're saying. They're clearly like cut and pasting. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting like this copy pasta advice. It's just I mean, like, oh, dude. Being part of a conversation is good. I mean, it doesn't matter if your input is super relevant to the conversation, as long as you're encouraging other people to try things. And I think yeah. that's the that's the the problem we have as a community as a whole is that we are and, and like you kind of brought this up earlier when you were saying like, oh, it's lazy. I, I don't think that's actually the problem. I think people just have a fear of losing. Um yeah. people people attribute success to victory right the victory is success winning your game means that you were successful and losing the games means you failed but like there only one person can win a game of war machine so does that mean that every time someone loses a game they failed and every time someone wins they won i don't no. i don't i don't that's definitely not true right yeah. no it's so, ridiculous so so we need to attribute we, like you we as a community need to get over the like the the hurdle of those attributes at, at attributes at I don't I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. I think here's a here's a good metric. All right, here's my metric for if I was successful in a game. If at any point in the game my opponent asks to see my cards, I won. So I, <laughs> that, means, that means I have done something that they've never seen before. <laughs> so, so for me personally. Um, it used to be it used to be i i considered a game of a day of gaming like a series of games or whatever a success if i learned something anything at all yeah that's the healthiest way to look i think like if if i played three games and you know like i tabled my opponent on the top of two every game that was just like a shitty day like that was that game like it may have been fun in the moment but like i basically wasted my time and wasted my opponent's time but like Yesterday or the day before, a couple days ago, I played against Nate. We I played this like really dumb Barnabas two list into his Crystal list, and I was like just fumbling over myself, playing poorly. But like the highlight of the game was I rebuked like one of his units, and then I charged it with a Throg and dispelled my own rebuke. <laughs> 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 and I was like. Yeah. And I was like, huh, yeah, huh. He, like, and he was like, you don't want to charge that throw again. And I was like, I don't know. And I'm like, here I go. And he's just like, yeah, you'd spell. I'm like, oh, Lord. Oh, <laughs> and I, I laughed for like, I laughed for like 10 or 10 minutes straight. I was just like, I was dying. I was like, That's so wow. <laughs> but then I like, and like, but like, I never had thought about that interaction. Cause I don't, I don't, I don't think I play casters that have offensive upkeeps very frequently. Yeah. And I, I no. never, never play them with throws. Like I've never had those two things happen in the same list. That's part of what makes the game so great, too. It's like, man, how long you played the game? Oh, forever. I don't know. Yeah, and there's still new stuff you 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 find. Yeah, you know? and and like, so that game was just like a major success. I was laughing the entire game about how stupid the game was. I was just like, yeah. like, like Barney's behind a house. He's a with swarm 
near him and spiny growth and death archons. I was like, and he's like, well, I can get like two heavies on you. And I think, I don't even think I kill you. And I was like, yeah, I don't think you kill me either. And he's just like, well, that's, that, that sucks. And like, like just moments like that, like, we're just like, oh, like it was a fun game, even though I like, I was for sure going to lose the game. It was still like a really fun game the entire time. Yeah, that's the key. So I had my, my last major uh, tournament I went to. I was playing against this guy who was, no buts about it, a dickhead. He was just being an asshole. And I was playing Mordecai, who's my favorite caster of all time. And like I, uh, you know, got the despoiler forward, poop out of Void Spirit, and just like mow down a whole, you know, Stormblades, Stormblade Cav, and like dismount Ladmore. At the end of the chain, he's like, uh, can I see your cards for a second? I was like, GG. And he like he looks over the Void Spirit's card. He's like, okay, I understand this, but how did you do that eight inch teleport? And I was like, oh, excuse me. And then I hand him Mordecai's card, and his face just drops. I was like, yeah, you get, eat that, you dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is not healthy, but was fun. So, so I've definitely had games. So like you know, I I I mean full disclosure, I don't I don't consider myself that great of a sportsman. I'm I'm as good of a sportsman as I can be while still playing the game realistically. Um, I, I don't think I've ever really had a game where my opponent was mad about something I did during the game. I, I, I tend to be pretty good. I've never had like a judge call about like something yeah. I did during a game. I've never had any like contentious, any real contentious moments about something I did, but I've definitely played the shit out of some petty machine versus people. And, uh, <laughs> those are just some of the best, uh, best games of war machine. Like they're not enjoyable. But when your opponent's a dickhead and you're like, if that's going to be the type of game we play, yeah. we're going to play that type of game. Yep. And then yeah, I, can, I can do that, go, too, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a I had a game recently where my opponent I like. So, you know, like a lot of like War Machine is intention, right? Like you talk about your turn while you're doing it. So like yeah. you're you're like I move this model here to be in range of this thing and then within range of this thing and you're like measuring things and declaring the measurements and like you're talking with your opponent. So I did that and then my opponent played his entire turn without saying a word to me. Oh. Weird. Super fucking weird, right? Like and then that kind of shit is like the kind of stuff you do when you're trying to like hide information from your opponent. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's all. Uh, I've never had that happen. That's super weird. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, uh, okay. And I was like, you okay, man? Like, like I tried to like be like the maybe he's having a bad day. Like maybe like maybe he doesn't know how to speak. Like I don't. Yeah. Uh, like I tried to like engage with him, and like he just basically like, was just like very standoffish. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I've ever played this guy before. I, I don't, I don't think I've ever had a conversation with him. I don't know hmm. what I did to pee in his Wheaties, but like. <laughs> Like, I, I do. I trust your powers of observation. So just, just inherently in this situation, I totally agree with what, however you perceived it. Um, but uh, I do know from mine, I, I have received a similar, I've had an opponent have a reaction that you had to me before where I wasn't being very communicative, but it was mostly because um, clock was a factor. And I think clock was a factor in the previous round. And so I was a little bit rattled still into the next round about mm -hmm. having to play. And I actually asked him not to talk to me during my turn to uh, help me concentrate on just doing my stuff in like an orderly fashion, which might not have been that great of like a fun experience. But I was just again, I was like really. Uh, and I've had I think whenever whenever I've had my quote unquote 
bad sportsmanships. I generally handle uh, negative stuff extremely well. Like I just sort of, well, not well in like a mentally healthy way, but I don't, I don't ever exhibit like retaliatory symptoms or I don't, I don't, I don't express it. Um, but in this case, I tend to, the more immersed I get or competitive I get, I shut down socially. I get really quiet. And then sometimes my hands will start shaking, like as I get like really invested in the outcome. Mm-hmm. So it, it, that bothers people that like, the, the, especially with the handshakes. Okay. If I pick up my dice and my hands are just even, there's a, there's a type of person that sees it and they get annoyed because usually when that's happening, I'm about to win. Um, and that's oh. when it, that's, that's just when it happens. This is like right when I'm about to win and I know I have it in the bag and I'm like, just for whatever reason, I'm stupid. Like at some point, you know, I'm in my forties and I still, there's like a five-year-old that's just excited to get like an ice cream cone <laughs> coming out of, out of, you know, like, Oh, and I'm acting like it's Christmas. Uh, I'm, I'm trying not to, I'm doing everything I can to downplay it and be as robotic as possible. But again, the handshakes are the being quiet the whole time. And then they just, um, I had a guy call me a white knuckle dice roller once, oh, you know, wow. like, so anyways, I just was, you know, giving what, maybe, what does that even mean, dude? I don't, I don't even know. I mean, I know that my hands are probably shaking, but I was just quiet. He was really drunk. He was inebriated. So I wasn't, and he was being sort of a uh, weird and that was what was shutting me down that time. How weird. Um, but yeah, the, uh. I I feel bad for Matt's opponent potentially. <laughs> it's like ah, oh, what, what if that was that could have been me? That sounds like a something I do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I would so, I would not try to conceal information. But I could see easily how that could be the interpretation. So so yeah so he he it was weird. It was a weird experience. And when we went into my turn, or he went to like go like clear a flag, and I was like, oh, I'm contesting with these two models. And he was like, he put down like his four inch widget and was like, they're out of four inches. Oh, Oh. and I was like, well, during that whole turn, I had declared like I'm putting this model here to be within four multiple times. Like I had talked about it and measured it. It's like they must have got nudged or, you know, it looks like they're like a hair out. And he's like, no, if you had meant to put them there, they should have been there then. Wow. (laughs) And I was just like, okay, we're going to play one of these games, are we? And uh, it, 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 I mean, I'm. I will say that, like, I try my best to make my games fun, um, and like let my opponents have a good time during the game. Uh, not like in gameplay wise. Like, I try to demolish people on the table, but yeah. like, I try to like make the game enjoyable from like a like a we're we're here to play the game kind of way. And yeah, I just like that game. Like, I, I he he walked away from it, and he was probably like, that was the worst game of War Machine I've ever played. And I walked away from it like that was the worst game of War Machine I've ever had. Yeah, well, yeah, but like he's a, he's a major contributor. Like, why well, just have a cordial game, man? Yeah, yeah. And, and like this is like I said to him that like at, when he said that, and he's like, if you when he's like, you if you had meant to put them there, or if you had meant to put them there, they should have been put there. I was like, is this really what we're gonna do? You heard my intention. Do you like? Are we not playing a game with intention? Yeah. And he was like, he was like, uh, he's like, well, you should just put, like place your models correctly on the table. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, my guy, like, cool. So yeah. on the next turn, I measured control range to his war beast, and he was a sliver out. So I said, "Your Gatorix frenzies." Yeah, well, that's what you get. And, yeah, <laughs> and that's like your Gatorix frenzies. It attacks your other warp wolf. Like, get fucked. Like, I'm. It, yeah. Well, you saw him where I placed. It. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, yeah. And and that's and that's the thing about it. Like, um, <clears throat> a lot of times. 
especially talking online, talking to each other online. Um, and this was like an in-person game, but talking to each other online, there's like the breakdown in communication. And I have this happen a lot when I'm speaking Stuff, to groups. You know, written by successful players or on podcasts or whatever. And then, then they take that word as gospel, but then they add their own opinion on top of it, you know, and that kind of twists uh, the original words a little bit. That can happen. Yeah, yeah but uh, it happens but, all the time. All the time. But I think that the, back to the original point, we were talking about uh, kind of talking about list adoption. So you did really well with Makeda 2 Cats, which was a list that was uh, really successful before themes hit, but it kind of fell off the map. Now, I do suspect you'll see it quite a bit in scorn pairings just because people... Uh, Nigel, did you brought up the point about being lazy. I, kind of, I do kind of agree. I think it is a little intellectually lazy. People just want the path of least resistance... So they see what did well at a you, tournament. You have at perfection. You have at a perfection. Everybody's got like twenty-two casters and six hundred yeah. skews or whatever it is, and Which everybody is everybody wants it to just be like one list. You know, like one or two lists, like one or two viable lists per faction, and that's all there is. Every every season there's like a meta season that that's like every faction has to just play these two things to be relevant or whatever. And it's like the dumbest. Yeah. You know, if people should just act like. Uh, I, you know, I just as a mental exercise, pretend that it's the you just are going to open War Room for the first time in your life and you're going to look at your own faction as if it was the first time you've ever seen it. I know it's almost an impossible thing to do, but then you might be shocked at like the combos you see coming together and the synergies that you're like, oh, wait, you know, maybe I can have these things in here. Or maybe I don't know. Sure. You might arrive at some different conclusions, but so I delete all the lists in my War Room every Friday. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's it's I've done this for years now. Um, it's just like I was I was part of a group chat. You know, I'm still part of the group chat. We still talk a lot, but um, they have like a they set up an alarm in the group and that like every Friday is like delete your list. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> that's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. A good idea. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's like it really helps me um, think outside the box consistently and like try new things like. Yeah, I. I was talking Infernals uh, with with Conan before this podcast, and we were just like going over like all the different things Infernals could do, and how like all the different lists that that like no one's even thinking about. Um, yeah, and like it was like a really cool conversation, and like he walked away from the conversation hype for Infernals. I walked away hype for Infernals. The FBI who was listening in walked away hype for Infernals. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, like, everyone wins. Like, just explore new things and do new things. Yeah. I think that's, that's fascinating. It's a, a really interesting idea because, you know, if you, if you struck gold, like lightning in a bottle, you'd, you'd come back to that point again, you'd think, right? If, you, if you're rebuilding your list. If it was, if your idea was that good, you'd come back to that conclusion again. Or um, yeah, I mean, I think that's what a lot of people, a lot of people do, right? Like, um... I mean, this is a good segue way to set it up. Um, <laughs> I think a That's lot of people, theory. yeah, a lot of a lot of people misattribute success as an indicator of strength. Yeah. So, like, you know, we we have like these like um, Nigel brought this up, right? We have like a million skews per faction and twenty million casters per faction and all these different themes and stuff and. Um, people do want it compressed down to like an easily digestible and easy to understand two list format pairing. 
Um, but I think because of the way we look at things, we end up being very concerned with things being good or things being bad and things are, this is better than this thing. And like the reality of like the situation overall is that everything in, in your pairing, everything in your faction is just a set of tools. You have the choice to choose between. Um, and those tools that you choose between are going to be better and worse depending on a, how you use the tools and b what tools your opponent has. And the second you stop seeing models as like power ratings, right? Like when, when you're like, Oh, this model's an S tier, this caster is an S tier, this thing's an A tier. And you just start looking at like the casters cards and like how their things work as just like tools that you have access to. And you're mm-hmm. just like, Oh shit. Like, I really need to beat Lilith four. It's a big problem for my scorn pairing right now. What caster gives me any defensive tech that is applicable in the matchup? And then you like look through all the casters and you're like, oh shit, the only one who has like defensive tech that isn't a spell is Jalom. And then you're like, hmm, Artifice of Deviation is really good in that matchup. It pushes defense up high enough on like things that are already high defense. And then you're like, you start looking at like the other tools that are applicable and you're like, oh, shield guards are pretty good, but like Archidons are defense 14 base. And like, those are pretty good. They like with road to war. Now we're threading 16, which is the same range as Ravagors on Lilith War feet turn. So now you're like, you've, you've developed a theory with these tools of how to apply them. And like, that thing is full of models that no one considered powerful. Like no one's sitting there like, Oh, Jalom's S tier, whatever. Yeah. And like Archidons are an S tier beast, but they were the perfect tools for the situation. And, yeah. and, and if you pay attention to the, like the tournament results, the, the things you need to pay attention to isn't necessarily who won. Like I've, I've gotten first, second, third, fourth, whatever at a million conventions. And, you know, people who played better than me and had better pairings did worse and did better. It's, it's, it's about looking at, like, what tools people brought and what matchups they got and, and, and processing, like, and understanding what they were doing with them. Like, since my success with Makeda 2 and Jalam, and I want to put an emphasis on Angelam, yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of people have been playing my Makeda 2 list and being like, like, cause like people send me war table links to their games and people send me war table links to games of other people they're watching. And they're like, Oh look, this guy's playing your Makeda two list. Um, and like, you know, people sent mes- message me on Facebook and get me to like advise them on games and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you watch the game and you're like, these people aren't playing this list the way I would play it. It doesn't mean that the way I would play it is the correct way. It just means that everything in the list I built is built in a way that I understand how the tools need to be positioned. I understand how the tools need to be applied. And if you're going to play a list that, and you don't understand those things, you should just be building your own version of it because you're not going to apply it and use it the same way I'm going to. Exactly. Yeah. I think this game really favors people who put the thought into building their own list. And that's why I do think, Nigel was correct about his, his point about intellectual laziness. People were just like, see, well, Matt won uh, with this Makeda 2 list, so I'll play it. I was like, well, you're exactly right. You, people will not play it the way you play it because you designed it for a very specific uh, match. If you, if you were to go play. to, like, if you were to go to DGI and look at all the, like, tournament-winning lists, what you're missing out on is what opponents they beat, 
yeah. and why those lists were chosen into those matchups. Like you're, there's so much data that you're not, you're not in, you know, in digesting by just looking at lists. I think it's probably like the most unhealthy thing you could do. Yeah. Cause it's like, I don't know about so that. Many, I look so at many, DJI lists all the time. I just think it's like so many wacky things can happen. If you ever see like a Chuck Weiser list or, or a Chuck uh, Ellswick list, and you know, you're like <sighs> reclaimer with like two units of pikemen or you know, two units of like flame guard, and then like you know, there's like what? But you know, then you just start playing it and you get destroyed, you know, because it's like he had some sort of bizarre thing he was doing that like just for whatever reason he just he had it phoned in he, or he had it like honed he just guessed like how the tournament would go or you know he just knew who was showing up and whatever i mean back in the day i think the meta is so big now it's harder to do but like used to be when we were driving to like gen con or adepticon we literally knew like the 26 people we were worried about and we were like making lists to beat the 26 people specifically not even not even like the meta at large you know any faction uh but you're like jake's gonna play this chuck's gonna play this flans is gonna play this whatever like um yeah, it's just so I, I have a real quick side question. So I noticed, I think in talking to Keith, too, that like he, we just recorded a Muse episode and he talked his adeptic on recap was like Lilith four was everywhere. So I, you know, you know, granted, I don't know shit right now, so who knows? But I just was not I would not have seen that coming, especially considering like in all of our scramblers and stuff, everybody's playing like. <laughs> Lilith one and like nonsense, which is good. It's cool that they're doing that. But like, um, so how did you, how, how are you on to it so hard that you played Jalan that you specifically to answer Lilith fours? So I play a lot of war table games, like yeah. a lot. And I watch a lot of war table games. And I, I talk to a lot of people. Um, you know, it's like a quick aside. I, I do this a lot, but, uh, <laughs> I, I'm very excited about War Machine. I have a lot of fun playing the game right now, and I can't emphasize this enough. It's like I've I'm feeling a lot like how I felt when I was just getting into the game, like the like excitement and um the the like the the joy of discovery, which is I think the the thing about War Machine that I love is like discovering new things. And I'm like, I'm feeling that again, uh, which I haven't felt for a long time. Yeah. Um and I'm talking to people and they feel the same way. Everyone's like really excited about all the new stuff and like what, what they could be playing. And like, that's really cool. But with that said, there is a very real like bandwagon to the game where if something's good, you can reliably bet that everyone's playing it. Like if, if Kruger two is good, uh, if Iona is good, you know that you're going to run into Iona because she's going to be everywhere. Yeah. Um, and Lilith four was a caster that I was 100% certain I would play against. I legions, like one of the most popular factions in the game. Lilith four is insanely powerful. Um, just like Lilith four is so good that you don't even know how to, ha- you like, you don't even really have to know how to play the game to win games a lot of the time. And she's like Sloan, like she gives m- like lower skilled players enough just dice out or math output to just sometimes win games and like very little tech is good against her. So I was 100% certain I was going to have to run into Lilith four. And then Makeda two was just such a strong list um, in like the tools it brings in and like the, it denies a lot of tools against it, which is like another thing that's really important when you talk about list pairing and design 
is the more restrictive you allow your like the more restrictive the tools that work against you are the it, like it's exponential how much better your list is um and like i knew that makeda 2 was going to be a major problem for everyone i played against um and that in the meta of the game there was only going to be like one or two lists that makeda 2 couldn't realistically play against and Lilith 4 was like one of those big problems that Makita 2 struggled into. And luckily I had very good war table partners to grind that matchup with. And um Jalam just ended up being the thing that I was like, I have to play this year. And Makita 2 was just good enough overall that I didn't I wasn't worried about playing too many other matchups. Like Jalam had to win um Krix Karchev, uh, Lilith 4. And uh, there's one more um, uh, Dreamer Six Heavies. Oh, Jalam, Jalam had to beat those three matchups, and Makeda could potentially do everything else I was worried about. Huh. We call that uh, that uh, bandwagon off, and that's the Dan Samus corollary. Well, I remember back in my <laughs> Mad Mark 2 with all those, was it EE came out? Everybody's like, all oh, the trolls, and they go, oh, yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah. Yeah, I think that really iterates the point that uh, I think we're all trying to make here is that the game is so wide. It's it's like a shame if you if you don't explore your faction, right? If you just look at the, whatever's quote unquote the top and just do that, because there's you can find gold almost anywhere. Like Jalam, I don't think anybody would put him in the top ten of scorn casters uh, before the, that Adepticon. But now you 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 bet people will be uh, looking at him a lot more. Which is good and bad. I mean, it's it's good that he gets the exposure because he he has quite a good game. I think his his Molokarn is really dangerous, but it's just that it takes somebody winning for people to be like, oh yeah, you know. Well, uh, so so I think this is like a really important thing too. Is like the way our like community and our meta shapes up is always like in this like I, I mean I, I, I've I've talked about this with a few people. I call it drivers and passengers uh, when I talk about it, and like. Mm-hmm. Basically, we have drivers. These are the lists that are like, um, maybe not necessarily the strongest, but they're the most strong, and they're like in the overlap of strong and popular. Yeah. So these are the guys who were like, like in Adepticon, what I identified was like Lilith Four and the Lucas Baldwin pairing was going to be the drivers. So they were the list that like that everyone who was like, I'm gonna win the event. Um, with like a known medalist, they were the, that was going to be what they played, because there's nothing else that is as strong as those lists in their like in the general community opinion. Mm-hmm. And then everyone else in the meta are passengers, and they're just people who are trying to have solutions to those matchups. Um, and I think that a lot of people don't get enough practice, and enough people don't get enough targeted practice to actually have their like targeted solutions be good. Like it's great that like you have the math, I'm putting math in quotes here, to win the matchup, but like 99% of the game of War Machine is played on the table. And understanding like positioning on the table and how to move models around and how terrain impacts the game and scenario and like where each model needs to be relevant relative to the other models in the terrain 
is 99.999% of the game. You can list build and like dojo and all this stuff ad nauseum to try to refine the perfect list to solve the problem. And then you get to the table and there's a big fucking forest in the middle of the table the size of your head. And now half your list doesn't function in the matchup. Yeah. And like, that's that's a very real like you have to have that understanding of those matchups for for those things to work. Otherwise, the guy who's played his list, you know, a hundred times is going to beat the beat you who has never like maybe you played the matchup twice. You're going to lose. It doesn't matter how good you think that matchup is for you. There's just too much of a like experience and knowledge differential. Yeah, absolutely. Um. And I think that's and I think that's kind of like an important thing is like the guy playing a list that he's very familiar with is going to play his list better than the guy who doesn't have the experience with it. And and you just just play stuff that excites you, play as much as you can, yeah, and and explore the options. And it doesn't matter if you win or you lose. The important thing is that you progressively make strides to get better at the game. Eventually playing to get better at the game will get you to the point that you start winning games without having to play lists that are specifically teched for a matchup. And I think that's, that's a thing that our community also struggles with. Everyone wants to play a pairing that's silver bullets every game they play. Yeah. I, and nope. I hate, I, that's easily my biggest, like it's been going on since forever, you know, like I don't know when it started, but I just remember like, ugh, it's yeah, it's miserable. <laughs> Yeah, everyone everyone's like, oh, I want to I want to have a list that is good into every game I could possibly play. And the reality of it is like that that list doesn't exist. Yeah, it's not possible. Um, but what you can do is you can have a list that has the tools that allow you to play every game or well, mostly every game. And then you can get enough practice and experience and and um, have enough specific knowledge to be able to win games that other people think think you can't win. Right. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just, it's not even possible on a list payer anymore with how big the game is. Yeah. I just think yeah. the rogue factor is so real. And it's not even really rogue factor anymore. It's just mining, not even for gold, but yeah, like you, mining for the, the tools that you need to fit your needs or whatever your, your, your list payer needs to, to solve or answer. Like you said, if you have, if you have really good meta analysis, you can kind of aim uh, your list pair in a direction, and it can be very successful that way. Or you can, you know, just if you if you don't, you just go for a more generalist take. Like you did with Makeda too. Like she, it just seems like she can play into whatever. And then you need some some backstop, and you found gold. Pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I, you know, my way of thinking about the game and my way of doing things isn't the right way, and it isn't the only way. It is just the way I prefer to do it, um, which is the right and the only way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I get you. So, so back to the original thing I talked about, like having like a really rough start to being competitive at this game and people being really like kind of shitty towards me. And like, this isn't a unique experience for me. This happens to like every single up and coming War Machine player where when there are people around them think that they're better than them and then they start finding success, these people that you thought were your friends are jealous and envious or whatever. And they, instead of being like, good job, my guy, like in giving you your accolades, they, they want, they're like, well, I could have won that game if I didn't roll snake eyes on that charge. That was super important. And 
that was like a very sour experience. But the flip side of that is you really see the people who are positive forces in the in the community, like Andreas Home and Charles and Corey Doyle. And uh, like there's there's many of them. But like these people who like were like, you know, cheerleading you on like Brandon Andrews was my biggest cheerleader I've ever I've never met a, a, a person who was like as like positive towards my war machine career as Brandon Andrews. Like I played like a, ter- a a convention he was at and he came up to me and was just like, he's like, you know, don't, don't care what other people say about matchups or less. Like you can do it. If I, if you were a stock, I'd invest in you. <laughs> and, and like that kind of positivity when you're like, you're trying your best to succeed and having someone who's been successful, or even if they haven't been successful, having someone who's like, you can do it and, and is like a friend and a cheerleader is like the best feeling in the world. And I, I would love yeah. if as a community, we could all be each other's cheerleaders, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think it's- well, it's a good, like, you know, I don't I hate to repeat like a philosophy thing of the thing that makes me, I have things I do that makes me a bad sportsman. Um, mostly just because of social issues or whatever, but like, what makes me a good sportsman is at some point in the game, there'll be a crossroads where it's going to start leaning one way or the other. And I usually am able to like emotionally wrap my head around it and start, even if I'm, even if it's going to go against me um, where it's like, you know, like he spikes a roll and I lose something. I wasn't planning on it. You still have to start rooting for your opponent to win. Like you start getting happy for what's happening. That's good for them. So it's like, cause you know, you're playing a social experience. We're not actually competing for money or like Olympic medals or, you know, you're having a narrative fun dice rolling, you know, dice are literally deciding what's going on sometimes. So it's like, you know, you be happy for your opponent is like, you you should be sitting down with a friend. You know, it's, it's basically the same thing as like, you know, you have a guest every time you play a table, uh, the other pretty opponents, your guest. And so you, you want to be a good host. And so, like, you know, that's just sort of a, ph- a philosophy of mine is like, it can be crushing and it could suck and it could sting a little bit, but you should still be like, you know, I, as an opponent, cheer my opponent, you know, I've had no problem with like being supportive of the person I'm playing against, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a habit that everybody should get into. It's like, never mind, you know, having like a rando come in and help you too. It's an opportunity for you to, provide that to the literally a person you're playing opposite against, you know, help break the ice, you know, lower the tension, have a little bit of fun, you know, be a human being that respects other human beings. Yeah. And you generally make con friends for life in that situation. I've, I've almost no one I've played against is, you know what I mean? Like everywhere I go, you just are constantly like hugging people and people are happy to see you again. And you have just these like lifelong connections. You know, people are like, I had an experience against you, a story, a thing that I tell people, uh, you know, they had, they, you know, share over drinks and, you know, something, an experience, you know, something I did or said in a game made them laugh or whatever. And they, they talk about it, whatever they will, you know, it's like super priceless. There's like something way greater than like the result of the game. So this is is why WTC is the best event every year for me. Um, Yeah you like get together with people you only see once a year and you just bond over, you have a weekend together and you tell the stories from that weekend 
for the rest of your life. And yep. and I can't tell you how many friends and like I don't I don't even mean like surface level of friends, but like deep friendships I have from people I met at conventions. Like yeah. people I talk to every day for the last eight years. Um yeah, yeah for sure. Like, yeah. That, that that illustrates like what the game is actually about, right? It's just it's a social game. Like you, 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 what do you win? What do you really win if you win a convention? You win the the uh, respect of your peers. That's so that like, is, yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Well, it's kind of like the the biggest indicator of what we're we're doing here. We're just playing a game. That's at the end of the game, it's a game. At the end of the day, it's it's just a game. You play for fun. You should have be able to have fun with your opponent. Like not that it's not competitive or anything like that. But man, if you have to be this dickwad about it that i i think you should probably play magic the gathering but that's a yeah yeah um like that's a, like a really good point here um that like that's a very good point is i've won a few cons and like and i remember winning my first con i was like so jazzed to win the con and i like took the trophy home and put the trophy in a box because yeah. the trophy doesn't matter like it doesn't yeah. matter that you have a piece of wood or like a cool coin or whatever from winning a con. Like that's like so secondary to like what you actually get from cons. Like the the joy of cons is the experiences you have while you do it. And like winning a con is like so like it's it's you know, did you get the matchups that were good? Did you get good dice? Did you yeah. not not get fucked somehow? Like you have you have all you have control over is the games you're currently playing and the decisions you make during the game. And a lot of people get hung up on like egocentric things. Like I've definitely done this. And this isn't me being like, I'm holier than thou, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm I have as I have as many egocentric problems as anyone else. It's just um being me having had gone through it, hopefully someone can learn something from yeah. what I went through. Um but like a lot of people get a big chip on their shoulder about their performance at cons and like, oh, I went three and three or four and two or whatever, whatever number that made you unhappy. And it's like, well, like just take away from it what lessons you can learn from that performance. Uh, I went six and one and lost in the finals. It's like, like, be happy that you made it to the finals. No one else at the con besides your opponent did. Like, like it's, yeah. That's, <laughs> I, yeah. I feel like 90%, I, I would say, I, I think my number might even be under, it might be over, uh, like, 90% is a conservative estimate. I think 90% of people I can attend a tournament are, like, casual competitive, where it's like, the tournament itself is their practice games. Like, the that's the, that's going to be their exposure to the meta, is literally the tournament. And, like, then they will have this result, you know, and then they're always the ones that are like, oh, the most crestfallen, you know? It's like, dudes! You know, you, it, but then there's like that percentage of those within that like 90 percent. They have this realization. This is the part of the community, like the trajectory of like the trajectory of a salt, a war machine salt is they'll be like, I don't have the time to be competitive anymore or I don't have the time to put in you know, this game. They'll, if like they're quitting or something, that's like they're uh, it takes too many hours to you have to lose too many games to get good at it or whatever. It's like. uh, You know, like. <laughs> Yeah. So, you, all, you could have had fun literally those all those losses the whole like, time. You could, have, yeah. you could have been enjoying yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's a very very salient point. Right? Like it it's 
I mean, you. I mean, you said it best. Yeah, I can't really rephrase. Like, play the game to have fun. Don't don't yeah. play like you should have fun with the games you play. And yeah, um, I think a good example of this is I played Terrence um, round one day one, mm-hmm. and we had like a uh, super fun game. And uh, we like we he walked away from it like that was super fun. Thank you for the game. And like and, and like I I he almost I mean like full disclosure he almost beat me. Um, if we had like a a couple a little bit more time and um a little a little dice had gone a little differently like I could have very easily lost that game yeah. um but like he walked away from it and it was just like like oh you know like super down on some mistakes he made and stuff like that and I was just like dude you almost won like it was really close and like we had a fun game and he was like yeah it was a super fun game and he was like generally positive about everything um and like that's great to see as opposed to a guy I played a few rounds later who was like the saltiest salt mine about failing like a 12% assassination. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell. Like, what? like, okay, like go home and like cry, I guess. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Dice happen. I mean, when yeah. you get to the 12 percenter, you're basically conceding the game, you know, like there's no yeah. one's taking that without the idea of like, this is my literal only chance. Only it's like my chance. only out. If it fails, and then you can't get mad at the failure. You you knew it was like a you knew it was a long shot out, and the you know it's just a yeah. There, there's something happened earlier in that game to get you to that point where you had to go for that twelve percenter, right? Like I, I I would say if you're if you're a competitive casual, let's say you're in the Nigel zone, like you know, uh, you know enough to be dangerous, but you don't know what you're talking about most of the time. Then just go for that assassination run immediately every turn until you lose. <laughs> you, will have, you will have so much fun yeah, yeah. just riverboat gamble your way into whatever so uh, but, uh, yeah that's why you're the king of the casuals Nigel. you're the king yeah so <laughs> le- legitimately um most high level players are really bad at protecting their caster from assassinations because high level players never go for assassinations that aren't really good this is like just like a fact of yeah of high level war machine is yep. You like you will like I've been assassinated so many times randomly where I'm just like mm, this isn't that good of an assassination he won't go for it and then he's like I'm going all in on this thirty percenter and I'm just like oh god I I'm dead okay yeah it. it's, it's, the competitive players are just like poker players where they'll make a read based on that stupid you know like they know what the percentages are so they're like you know you wouldn't play into my pocket aces with that garbage hand and then sure enough they did and they're like oh my god and then the flop comes up <laughs> like in yeah. their favor yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what any of the things you said meant but i agree yeah yeah, yeah, but, yeah absolutely but that's, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah i just think competitive players like keith does this all the time too is the uh you know the that like yeah they you said it perfectly there's no way that they take a 30 percent assassination run on you know bottom of two when we haven't lost a single point you know like no one scored an objective no one's lost a point and i did you know and then sure if they go for it because they just want to get the game over you know like in their heads they're they're sweating so hard because they know that they're in their mind they've already lost because they're going up against a better player and so they're just like gonna riverboat gamble which is the best way to play i mean it's, it's that or they they don't understand the dice odds you know and it's like oh, yeah. you know your caster's camping zero. Oh yeah but it, it's it's kruger too with the hermit next to him yeah. so <laughs> he's not <laughs> yeah yeah so funny funny story about that is uh 
Keith and I played at Adepticon, uh, right, the semi-finals, I want to say. And he he was a little bit low on time, and he like he was like trying to like get this assassination run together onto Makeda, and he like basically was like, I don't have enough time to do this. It's too precise. I like I I, I concede, and uh, like he conceded, and I was like, Hey, do you want to just like roll it out and see if you would have gotten it? And like he just one hundred percent got it after he conceded. Oh, man, <laughs> and I was like, Oh no! Oh, what a bummer. Yeah, I mean, he didn't like we like we agree. He doesn't have enough time to like figure out all the positioning and all the stuff. But yeah, it's really funny. Like it's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, <laughs> and so like that's that's like a good like that was a good lesson for me to take away from that game was like you're not as safe as you think you are. But um, yeah, people just like sometimes you just die, and like that's another thing. Like Charles, who went to Adepticon with me, uh, he died to a one point seven percent assassination run. Oh my god. <laughs> Well, yeah, or maybe maybe it was higher than that. I maybe it's a like a, a, it was like sub sub five percent maybe, but yeah. like it was like a really low low odds assassination run, and yeah. uh, he just died to that, and then he died to like another low odds assassination run, and he was just like he's just like all right, well, like I guess I'm not in the master. Wasn't my weekend, I guess, you know, and that and that just happens. Yeah. yeah, some sometimes your opponent just blows you out of the water. I uh, I lost a game. Uh to uh was it a desecrator with a broken arm getting and like full throttle yeah just crit shred on two dice like four (laughs) times and killed my caster oh my god (laughs) yeah i was just like oh okay good game like like you can't like you just sometimes you lose and there's nothing you can do about it like yeah and when that happens you know it's like exciting for the other person you know you should yeah yeah, you should be you should be on the team of that. Like, and that's the thing, right? Like, I'm not saying you should help your opponent beat you. I think like talking about sportsmanship and all this stuff, which has been something I talk about a lot yeah. on every podcast I'm on, because I feel like it's an important topic. Um, yeah. I don't mean to help. Like, I don't mean you should help your opponent beat you. Like, that's not what we're here for. Like, we're here to play games, have fun and win games. But you should try to make the game pleasant for your opponent. You yeah. shouldn't. You shouldn't your opponent shouldn't walk away from the game being like, ah, fuck that guy. He's a piece of shit. Fuck this game. Like he should walk away from the game being like, oh, shit, that was like it sucks that I lost. But at least we had a good game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, hey, we got there. That's uh, boiled it down the past. That's what we've been talking about in sportsmanship. Don't be a dick. Just have have a good time. Be competitive, but in a kind way. Yeah. Anyway, that, uh, that point you talk about, that that uh, people don't really go for assassinations, is totally true, and what I am banking on 100% with my list pair. I'm bringing Ron back, baby. Nobody's seen that guy in years. And he'll just kill you if you are looking for him. It's, he's I mean, on the map. Ron's pretty hot. Um, he's the shit. Yeah, yeah, Ron. I mean, TK's a good spell. Force Hammer's a good spell. What, Polarity Shield's a good spell. I mean... Yeah, he's got it all. Even that force blast is pretty clutch on scenario plays and when when you need to be. Yeah, one of one of my most embarrassing games was a was a loss to Ron, and uh, there's nothing like getting Ronned round one of a convention. Yep. Mm. Oh, I made so fun, glorious. But yeah, I, uh, when Ghost Fleet came out, I was playing against a player playing Ghost Fleet, and I was playing Ron at a theme, and he literally tabled me. I had Ron a Chimera. And a mage hunter assassin, and he had like his whole army left. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll 
try to bowl some force hammer into you. I need to roll a four on this uh, slam to kill you. And I got it. Oh, good game. <laughs> the dude. <laughs> <laughs> He uh, he was not a great sport. He uh, his his army was up for sale the next week, which is like, come on, you know, I, I sucked on the river so hard, like you can't count that as a loss. Like whatever. So speaking of Ghost Fleet and off metacasters and why you should explore, I played Old Witch One as my solve for Ghost Fleet when it was at its height, and mm-hmm. I played a convention where I played against Ghost Fleet four times back to back. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's like, ah. So I, one of my opponents literally said word for word, like, Kador doesn't have a solution into Ghostfleet. And in one turn, Scrapjack killed his, like, entire army. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> and, no. I, and I was like, well, I guess, like, I guess you can bring back those pirates back in your deployment zone. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a good day. It was a good day. And, and this is, yeah, yeah. If you don't know, the tech of that is when you feat, the pirates can't go into your control range or they die. And so they, they like build this like cool circle around your feet range. And they like, it's just like how they, every player does this the first time they play it. And they like build this like semi-circle around your control range. And then Scrapjack, who's stealth because he has prowl and he's in the AOE five, uh, apparates and then charges. And he has berserk overtake from the, whatever spell she casts. Avatar of slaughter. Slaughter, yeah. Yeah. So, like, you just, like, start on one half of the semicircle and end on the other half. Amazing. (laughs) It is actually hilarious. Yeah. I I think she's actually a a bit of a solve right now in just the current play. Um, Yeah, I just have been just I've been, like, exploring her a little bit recently just to sort of deal with. um, You know, I hate gallows, but or strangling chains, whatever it's called now, but like that in an arc node and some of the other stings playing it in. Uh, yeah. I just think she does actually answer some questions or meta problems. Yeah. I mean, I think she has some relevant tools and I think that's kind of the thing. Like a lot of casters are back to my original point here. I think people are so, so focused on like math, like, and, and this is like one of my biggest gripes with how we talk about the game is everyone tries to boil everything down to a, like a math equation. Like mm-hmm. you're like talking to someone about their game and they're like, well, this blah, 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 gets up to this and that does this much damage and then this and that. And you're like, that does none of that matters. All you can do all the math in your in in the world you want. You can add and subtract and multiply and divide. But like at the end of the day, like we still have to play on a table and roll dice. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't matter if you're Matt 50 and I'm defense five. Like the second you roll that snake eyes, the entire game changes and all your math sucks. So yeah, don't don't talk about War Machine as a math equation because that shit is random. And everyone talks about like averages of dice and like that's not actually like what you're doing. You're 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 doing probabilities, but like that's a whole different thing. The reality of the situation is you have to play the game that's on the table, and it doesn't matter how much math you do. Um, evaluate your tools, make sure your tools are relevant, and play the game smart. And if you play the game smart and well enough, you'll probably win. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's pretty rare that you just—I mean—you're just dead in the water. I don't—I don't think that that kind of matchup happens anymore. I mean, Bradigus and Mark II, there's some. Yeah, well, it, it happens, but it's—it has nothing to do with like. It 100% still happens, but it's—it's—it's it's, it's not because. It's just that's just how it is, you know. Like if you take, um, you know, you you take 
somebody who's just extremely pillow fisted into Karchev 2 or something, you're going to have a bad day. There's just like those matchups that are extreme enough that they'll cause a, a tilt in one, you know. Like, yeah, so ske- skews exist. People play skews, and skews have yeah. like the problem of like just making the math so bad that if you didn't bring any tools, then you struggle. And then, like, but like the problem with skews is like they're very vulnerable to people who are good at playing on the table and have some tools, they can just play the game really well and win the game still. Yeah, this is why skews tend not to win conventions because they eventually walk into someone who actually has like the tools and the gameplay skills to beat the skew and then they lose. Yeah. Yeah. Cause inherently a skew is just playing a numbers game. Yeah. And, and as I've been ranting about this entire podcast, numbers games are dumb. It's true. You're right. So I can't play Sudoku. Can stupid game. Uh, shoot. What was I going to say? Oh, I want to say something about Ron again. How sweet he is. Oh man. Have you looked at the Jack Marshall Hydra, Matt? Oh my god. So I'm on I'm on Jack Marshalled Griffin. That's where I'm yeah, at. It's also awesome with the Lara too. But that oh man. The Hydra just gets pound nineteen all up in your grill. That thing is so freaking sweet. I played a game against Assyria's with Assyria with two Jack Marshalled Griffins. Ugh. And they each Griffin killed heavy, and I was like, I did not expect that. <laughs> no. Uh, oh, man, Jack Marshalling, that might be the most underrated rule out there. I know nobody, nobody gives a shit about Jack Marshalls. Well, but man, only one faction can actually Jack Marshall efficiently. Yep, that's right. Wait, yeah, whoa, hey, whoa, hey, hey, whoa. Whoa. Uh, not totally true. Oh, that's uh, true. I'm throwing Kador's hat in the ring of that. Yeah, you got, you guys got, the, what's, what's the jack, the drive? Magic. Uh, Blessed. Magic, magic blessed, yeah, That's magic cool. blessed, uh, and then you've got Colden Lords who can copy the Forge Seers, so you've got but, two Forge okay. Seers, two Colden Lords. So I, I don't want to poop on anyone's hype. All right, I, if that's something that you think you can figure out and make work, I, I train. I salute <laughs> you, sir. Good luck. Mm-hmm. There's no breaks. Yeah, I, I, I will say that Rhett just wears wears that particular pair of pants probably better. I mean, they do. I believe me. I'm being on the bad end of it. I agree. Like, there's nothing like a Jack Marshall Jack that also has three focus and oh. like also has like free charges and also has this and also and like you're like, all right, my Griffin will choose crush. She'll get concentrated power. I'll feet. It is now a power 19 threading uh, 15 inches or 17 if I move it with the trident. And uh, it has three melee initials all with all at power 19 well sorry two at power 19 and one at power 15 and then you know it's just like okay all right no. i get it i get it oh my god we have to switch to, i'm we have to switch subjects i'm getting so erect <laughs> yeah i can hear you pushing your table up you need to you need to sit oh, down it's so freaking sweet i got man it's so good yeah Perfect. yeah right every faction has something like that though that is just like really exciting that that that, that faction can do yeah, my favorite thing in Scorn is when my laser eye beam soul wards shoot my opponent's really high strength living models. Oh, that's uh, the best! <laughs> it is. There is no moment greater than when, like, I played Keith and Gedrix like walked up and was like, "Hello, I'm Gedrix," and I'm like, "What did you warp?" And he's like, "Strength." And Whoops. I was like, "And I was like, well, looks like he's fucking dead." 
did. And he's yeah. and I was like, he's like, oh, I'm defense fourteen. I'm like, well, this Kree is gonna paralyze you, so you're <laughs> not defense fourteen. And I'm gonna shoot you with these laser eye beams. Get riggedy wrecked. Oh. Um, the the highlight of laser eye beams though is shooting Fiora four. If you can shoot Fiora four with laser eye beams on like turn four or five after she's been scorning the whole game. Oh my god, the rage tokens. <laughs> yeah, dude, it is like the greatest moment in War Machine. I did this at OTC. Uh, I was playing against Cody Demun, and uh, he we're like we're like playing this game, we're grinding out, and like due to some like dice that had been very much in my favor during the matchup, the game was like pretty decided. There wasn't like really any hope of him uh, pulling it back unless things went really bad for me. And he like put his he's like, well, Fiora's got to get involved in this game and start like putting herself at risk. And he's like, well, I can end up in this trench. So he like gets in the trench and he's like shooting scorns and doing stuff. And like, oh. I'm like, all right, my first laser eye beam girl who has two souls from the cats that died near her will walk up and shoot you. And he's like, well, I'm, def- I'm in a trench. I'm like, well, I'm go shot. So I don't care. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, and I was like, OK, so I boost to hit. I hit. And I'm like, what's your strength? And he's like, oh, she's like only like strength seven or eight or whatever. And I'm like, no, no. How many tokens do you have? <laughs> and he's like, oh, God. I'm like, yes, Ugh. yes. You, and I'm like, I'll boost damage. You're dead. OK, cool. Good talk. Yeah, uh, so amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's like moments like that where like also like anime that last around for some reason, like and like strength buffs that last around like um, Ragnar's pulverizer increases strength. And uh, primal lasts around still. That's awesome. So like a uh, uh, VOD Ragnard like Warhog that had done the aggression dial for strength and <laughs> has pulverizer and primal on it is just like oh, I'm strength like eighteen. We're like, well, this is a power twenty four. Here we go. That's <laughs> plus six. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, like fun moments, feats that increase strength and armor effectively don't increase armor against the gun, which is funny. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's super weird that the uh, uh, the immortal that has it is one one pow less. For, yeah, for it's, it's the same gun. It's just one pow less. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't get it. But... Yeah, oh, well. Zal's Zal's eye beam is the same as the soul wards, right? His isn't pow five. Yeah, even uh, Marquez is the same. They're all pow six. Yeah, yeah. Marquette's is super cool because you can boost it, which is like, well, I mean, I guess you can boost the other ones. But yeah, Marquette's is super cool. He's so cool. Um, yeah. So like when when you have like support models that do stuff, that's like really funny. Like in one of my games, I filled up uh, a a um, my pain givers charged and filled up a transfer target so I could kill their caster. Amazing. And I was like, that, yeah, I was like, that is like the coolest shit to me. I love game like mo- like anytime support models are just like the game winning piece it's like the the creme de la creme of war machine it's like ah uh, chef's kiss yeah absolutely yeah like somebody zaps you with the stupid uh vass or whatever it's like what <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, uh, yeah was it shepherds have like blast resistant now or something really uh, oh no. yeah so they're just like randomly armed like 16 against blast or something it came up in my most recent league game, I was like trying to kill this shepherd. <laughs> it's just like I was just like, I can't kill it. <laughs> I want to die. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, it's a uh, support models that do stuff is really fun. Yeah, super fun. Uh, yeah. Speaking of no support models, I was supposed to shout out. I'm going to be on the Brawl Machine uh, YouTube channel this Saturday. 
playing Brawl Machine, where there are no support models. But I'm playing uh, P. Morgul with with uh, Mullet Karn, so it's like a, a little bit of the Speed 10, Power 18, Weapon Master, Admonitioning Mullet Karn. Nice. Uh, sounds fun. I don't know. That's pretty hot. Yeah, I've, I haven't played that caster since I bought a battle box uh, 10 years ago, but well, you know, in theory, it sounds fun. I made a Grimkin player uh, so sad when I was testing to solve for Adepticon by playing yeah. Morgul 1. Oh, what'd you do? I played Morgul 1. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His, his feet, feet plus admonition into Grimkin is like really savage. Yeah, I think just abuse is fantastic also. And even the, the nuke torment is pretty clutch sometimes because it can turn off the healing for uh, yep. Gargage Man still, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's pretty, like, like, his tools are actually really, like, his feet's, like, incredibly powerful. Oh, so um, good. Yeah, I was, like, testing, testing drops into Crucible Guard and into Grimkin. And, like, part of his feet is, like, no casting spells, right? It's, like, you can't, you can't spend Fury, Focus, you can't transfer, right? Like, that's, like, they can't, you can't yeah. reave? His, his feet's really weird. I've played him, like, twice in the last, like, t- 20 years, so. Very weird. Uh. Actually, don't even know myself. I have to play him in two days, so let me, let me <laughs> like pull it up. But something about, yeah, you can't spend focus, can't uh, be forced, and can't have damage removed. Yeah, yeah, to. yeah, yeah. You can't cannot have damage transferred to them. Be forced, spend focus, fury, or essence. Or essence. Except to pay tithe. Yeah. Oh, that's so, awesome. so yeah. So you can like you you stop transfers. You. Then, like, the big thing is you stop, like, in, into Grimkin, you stop the transfers, and then you just, like, you can boop stuff, you can, heavies can't charge you, because it's how the game works. It's fun. It's super fun. Yeah. Amazing. Um, it's super cool. You know, yeah. I thought you were going to be some real spice and say you were playing Naresh. No, he's just a numbers guy. He's lame. Well, oh, actually, okay. there's an no. amazing thing you can do with the, the Swamp or and celerity and press forward that's that's pretty fun you can get him way downtown <laughs> yeah so you you give him you give him celerity you give him the masters of war tycom plus move yep press forward yeah yeah and he just goes turn one you like walk the whole table and then you put up lamentation and get their caster in it on turn one top of one yeah and the and next turn fun. you get your you, you elasticity yourself and you cyclone whatever eight inches and then you charge another 11 so it's 19 with reach it's 21 inches no big deal <laughs> <It's pretty funny. laughs> whip him up five times so he's power 16 it's pretty funny yeah yeah he so he goes so far that like his army can't keep up with him which yeah. is another problem <laughs> he's Not like enough. he's like walk 10 cyclone like another 10 like come oh, on it's so amazing <laughs> God damn, to the dojo maybe he is sweet <laughs> You know, if he was, if he was like Fury Seven, yeah, and like his weapons were like Power Fifteens base instead of Elevens. Yeah, I mean, you can get him there. I guess you can get him to to, to sixteen technically, but yeah, I'm saying base. He needs to be like a Power Twenty dude in melee. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> like he just like walks up and just like chunks a heavy to pieces, and then. But like the, the problem is like he's a fifteen fifteen, like you're gonna be like, Oh, he's a fifteen twenty if you whip him to death. And it's like yeah. that's that's true, but like it's it's he yeah, anyways. The, the, he's the spice. I think he's the spice. I think that that maneuver will catch some people out and it's pretty funny. 
like that that's one of those things if somebody did that to me i would just shake i would just laugh that's hilarious but yeah yeah it's it's like the turn one chromac one bestial in your deployment zone yeah <laughs> <laughs> or the the kaya 2 avengers assemble where you slingshot your whole army in their face hilarious <laughs> yeah yeah there's like a, a bunch of stuff uh so charles was playing magnus one recently and it's just like the run run double run turn one top of one yeah <laughs> you're like whole armies like just a millimeter out of their threat ranges top of one oh god <laughs> <laughs> oh man there's so much gold in this game that's what makes the game great yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff you can explore and a lot of tools you can abuse, which is like I think the biggest thing that a lot of people miss out about is like it's I mean personally for me I'd ra- I'd rather lose 10 games with Barnabas 2 than yeah. win win 10 games with whatever meta meta caster that people are playing like Gate of two cats. Oh, wait. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no, you just, know, a- you know what the worst thing is? So like the whole reason I played Makeda two cats and scorn in general was because someone told me scorn was bad. That was like literally the conversation where I was like, mm, I don't think that's true. I'm going to play scorn. Yeah. <sighs> and, and I was like, I was like, I don't think any of these factions are bad. I think all the factions are like really close to each other in power level right now. Yep. And. I, and I was like, well, here's Makeda 2 Cats. Can you? And like, here's like the funny part about the Makeda 2 Cats is like my WTC team, we grind games against each other all the time. We're playing each other all the time. And like my my I started playing Makeda 2 Cats. People were like, oh, I should play games against that. And then they were just like, this is insanely powerful. Like what the like they were like changing their pairings to be better against it. Like I was like, I'm on your yeah. team, guys. Like, come on. Nobody else is playing. They might play it now, but. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. No one else. No one else in the world is currently playing this. this right. It is only me. Like, come on. Yeah. But those cats, I think that they're actually good enough to go in a lot of places. Like P Xerxes, I think is a pretty interesting place for them. Uh, yeah, I just don't like my models dying. So yeah, I mean, defenders were pretty fine on them. It's okay. Yeah, but but then they could still die. You right? I'd rather just stay death them. Oh, you right, man. You right again. I mean, so for what it's worth, I played. So if we're going to talk Scorn Dojo for a second here, let's do it. Uh, so I think the Ferox list that I was like really excited about outside of Makeda 2, uh, Makeda 2 is just like insane. Like it's just insane. The list, Jalam Cats, very good. It's basically what I played as my off list. Yeah. Um, Xerxes 2 Cats is the most missed list in Scorn, I think. Oh it my is, God. It is actually insanely strong. Um, you people people are sleeping on it um there's like three really good builds for it and all of them are really good turns out cats with ignite access Mm. and feet access punch way above their weight class and you have like builds that include like a hydra so that you have the sandstorm for the guns which is huge um and, and then you also get like the xerxes 2 hydra meme and then um there's builds that play Tiberian and Molokarn. I love that. That's a yeah. <laughs> yeah, because those yeah. guys uh, on the feature with Ignite, they're effectively POW eighteen. It's not, you know, it doesn't quite come out that way, but it's about what they come out to. Uh, I mean, the cats. No, it actually works out way better than that. Um, yeah, just because of how dice variants work. So, like, um, this is another thing people just don't understand about math. Um, so I'm, I'm not right like here, a, Matt. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so people would be like, I'd like put my cats in to fight their heavies, 
So this is like just like a really funny experience um, and like an expression of how rolling dice is just really funny. So like someone has like an arm 20 heavy or like arm 19. Arm 19 is a really good example. So your dice off five with your cat's base. And they're like, oh, you're not going to do that much damage to it. Like, I don't really care. Like, they're power 14s. But, like, when you're getting, you're getting 20 power, four, or 10 power 14s, at dice off 5, you're going to be like, oh, that does, that does, like, 20 damage. Right? That's what, like, most people would say, right? Dice off 5, 2 damage per attack. Yeah, mathematically, I guess. But the reality of it is, it's actually more than that. Because the downward spikes don't hurt you as much as, as the upward spikes help you. So like, hmm. so like when you're like, oh, I rolled a nine and I did four damage, and then you roll a two, well, spiking down a downwards to a two and doing zero damage is just is 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 like the same as rolling a five on the damage roll. So like those rolls are effectively the same, so they don't matter. So, like, the spikes upwards are a lot more powerful. Right, that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. So, so, like, when you roll a Snake Eyes, it's, it, it's, it doesn't matter as much as when you roll a Boxcars, is, I guess, my point. Yeah. I never thought about it like that, but... Yeah, yeah. So, so, a lot of the times, like, people are like... Like, I don't, I don't do a lot of math when I play War Machine, generally speaking. Like, if it's, like, a critical moment, I'll do some math, but, like... Generally, it's just like I play enough games and I get enough practice with what I'm playing to have like an idea of how things go. And it's like the first few games where I was like killing arm 19 heavies with cats and people were like, what the shit? And I was like, yeah, like I was just like, it works this way because, you know, I do 20 and then like randomly I'll do five more damage and I'll do eight more damage total or something. Right. I'll roll eight above average, quote unquote, across all across these 10 rolls. Which is only like one above average on eight of the rolls. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then it's like, now that thing's dead. I mean, and you, and you got sweet Radheim steamroller to back it up with that armor piercing beer. Man, that guy is super. <laughs> yeah. When he goes in with Storm Rager on feet turn as like. Oh. Uh, so this is like my favorite moment of games with Makeda 2 when your opponent's like. Like, okay, like, like, Malakarn goes in and kills something, and he puts Storm Rager on Redeem, and, like, Malakarn's, like, killing stuff, and then, like, uh, you're, like, oh, you're, like, okay, Redeem go, or, so here's the best one. You upkeep Storm Rager on Redeem, he goes, and he, like, armor appears something, and they're, like, okay, what's Redeem's mat? And you're, like, 12. <laughs> and they're, like, what? And you're, like, you have mat 12. And they're, like, how? And you're, like, he's 10, he's, he's 8 base, 2 from Pounce, 2 from Storm Rager, and they're, like, Ugh. They're like, okay, you hit, and then you're like, okay, this is gonna be a power sixteen armor pierce, <laughs> and they're like, they're like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah, he just, just he works, and then like, you like, put put a hole through their heavy, right? Oh yeah, and then and then Malakarn goes in and starts killing stuff, and you swap Storm Rager to a cat, and then the cat, the cats go, and they like walk jump, and then they all CMA through the Storm Rager cat. Oh yeah. Uh, and you're just like, well, this is really insane damage now. And they just like scoop another heavy off the table. And it's in your opponent's just like, Meh. <laughs> that's so cool. I kind of miss uh, the old pounce or was it additional damage die? I thought you know, it was, super it was cool. boosted. It was way worse. Oh, was it boosted? I thought it was additional. Oh, yeah, never mind. Yeah, it's way worse. It's way worse. Yeah, this is better. And the plus two mat is huge. Yeah, so. Uh, 
yeah, it's, it's massive. So other things that are good with cats, Zadesh 2, great with cats. Oh, yeah. Um, Hexorus 1, situationally really cool with cats. I think that caster, there's there's some room in there with that guy. He's got some stuff going on. Well, Death March is hilarious with cats. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, uh, that's really cool. Parasite allows you to do really dumb stuff sometimes. Yeah. Um, and his feet's just like really, his feet's just memes. Like, yeah, it's hilarious. Um, I played a game against the Baldwin Ass Mountain list with Hexers 1, and uh, that was really fun. Yeah. That's because uh, those uh, assault troopers pretty good at killing themselves. <laughs> yeah, they are like phenomenal at killing each other. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I played a game with Caliban in that same matchup. It's same same bone shaker is just like the same thing. You're just like, ha! Yeah. <laughs> Man. So um, what do you think? Uh, oh, so keep going with the cat. Sorry. Um. So Makeda 3 insights. Good. Yeah. Um. But I think. The most, I mean, I'm I'm super hype about uh, uh, Makeda. Makeda one cats and Xerxes two cats are probably my my two other favorite lists. Makeda one, oh, that caster is also pretty underrated. I think she uh, that field marshal gets it done, and that feat too is friendly, which a lot of people don't uh, realize. Like you, you can it works on your stupid minions if you take them. Yeah, it works on Barnabas zero. Yeah, that's uh, uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but like more critically, like it's it's all of the strengths of Makeda too. You have Carnage for the hip buff. You have the feet to keep things alive on the way in. You have shield guards. It has like a lot of the same strengths, but then it also brings like quickened, yeah. the lash, like Malakarn, who's just like it's just like randomly like I threat seventeen before sidesteps. Yep. Yeah, I was playing that uh, uh, last year in some big some some online events. That was my my list with double like double death archons and the Hydra and Molot Karn because even a, a quick end Hydra goes fourteen inches, but nice. you could get pretty close. You can get a pretty close approximation of the old Molot Karn bullet that way with the lash quicken and rush. You know he he goes. I think it was twenty one total or yeah. something. And with with Carnage, if she's up there, he's I'm at nine. Uh, power six to master, which is uh, enough enough to finish the job for sure. Yeah, you also get the arc nodes in Masters of War, which is like yeah. super critical, and you get Marquette. Yeah. So you you get like the best of all worlds, and there's nothing better than like quickening a unit of cats turn one, it running like all the way down to the middle of the table, and then being like, sw- like cool, like next next turn, like these cats are these cats currently threat your deployment zone. Yeah, have fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's cool. There's and and like like I said earlier, Xerxes two cats is like really fun. Um really strong and xerxes too is like if you can make him work he's the coolest caster for sure uh what caster in the faction do you think has the least amount of tools or is there a caster that's like nah maybe there's not much to explore here and why well, is that caster hexy too uh, <laughs> so so i so i like i, I understand the intention of the cl- the question but like i don't think it's about like i, I mean all tools are relevant depending on the matchups. I, while I think Hexers 2 is is missing some relevant things on his card. Yeah. Like like I like obviously there's things that are better than other things. Like their tools are stronger. They like if two tools are similar and one does it way better, then like it's hard to like unless there's a specific use case for the other tool, right? Um Hexers 2 kind of sucks ass. He he is not great. Um he I'm needs to have it. 
Yeah, he needs to replace Hellfire with Disintegrate. I think oh, that would be awesome. I think if that's the case, then he's a lot more compelling. Damn, that would be sweet. Yeah, yeah, it solves a lot of his problems. Um, I think they were worried in like the design. They were worried about giving him like a good offensive nuke. Um, when his whole battle groups are nodes and he has like 14 fury a turn to play with. Yeah, um, I guess. But I mean, at the time, Hellfire might have been one of the best nukes, right? When he when he was uh, when he came in. No, or? no, it definitely still wasn't. Oh, I mean, I mean Hellfire. It... Hellfire is a cost three. So if you do the math on 14 divided by three. Yeah, um, that's true. And, and disintegrate actually means he has some support for his army. Besides, well, what does he have? He has the stupid banishing ward and black spot. And black spot, yeah, yeah. So to be fair, I did play some Hexorus too in testing. I actually went through the entire score and roster in testing before Adepticon. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I play sometimes. I play five games a day of of War Table. So Jesus, well. <laughs> Hey man, War Table's the best. Um, it is the best. Yeah. Don't have to put on pants to play it. I don't have pants on right now. Uh, same. Nice. Hey. Oh man, are we gonna make that? Are we gonna make that uh, account there? That's gonna our. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Account. Let's do yeah. It. <laughs> have you. Let's go. Let's do it, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so my point is, my my point is, like Hexers too. Like, if he had to disintegrate, then he would be really cool. You could like. Black spot, disintegrate, feet, disintegrate, disintegrate, and like have like a bunch of minus armors out, and like his battle group could do stuff. You could like yeah. it would like you could run the stupid like serpentine razor worm thing. Is it called razor worm? I think it's called razor worm. You could run that. Worm. Yeah, that thing's cool, and it's like actually not a bad beast. But like the use case for it is it's a really good archetype for him. It's like you could do that, and that could be really cool. And like there's so much things you could do. Um but unfortunately, he just like he's just missing that one little thing. Like if he had like disintegrate, or if he had like um, uh, like he needs he needs a like an RMD buff in his kit. Like he's like basically a Crix caster. Like he just needs that like scything touch blah. You know, he like yeah. he needs the minus arm. I think if he because he has no speed buff, he has like a hit buff against warriors, and then like. He just needs something to make his kit better. Like the minus right. arm is enough. All right. I kind of thought the same thing. Mordekar is my favorite caster by far, but I also think people think he's pretty low on the totem pole in Scorn. And well, I think. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I just think if if he had uh, Curse of Shadows, it would be fantastic on his card somewhere. I don't know if he could get it, but man, that would be sweet. So. Mordekar is like completely responsible for changing the wording of like a bunch of Infernals models. Yeah, he's the man. He, you uh, know, before uh, the fun, fun fact, before uh, the King of Nothing came out, I think he was bar none the most unique uh, caster in the game. He has like a weird elite cadre. He has uh, uh, four of his five spells were unique to his card too, which is super cool. He was just really weird. He's a bizarre caster. He's like a, the weirdest nuke. You know, it's like not 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 crevasse the essence blast or something super cool i just love that guy yeah essence blast is super weird um situationally really brilliant because you can like position a spray anywhere in his control range yeah um i actually i have a lot of games with mordecai because uh, nice. i used I, yeah way back in the day though like not anytime i mean like, i did play him recently 
with the cats because I I played everything with cats. Um, yeah. but uh, then like the the situational use of his spells is cool, but like there the 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 problem with essence blast is it's too many dice rolls on top of losing a model. Yeah, I wonder if it was just like the like the bile throw purge now if it automatically hit. <laughs> well, that would be way too strong. Right? Oh like, man, come on! Yeah, yeah. I think it, instead of a spray, it's a spray six. It needs to be like a spray eight. Yeah, I think if essence blast was a spray eight, it would be a lot more compelling. Um, it's also like expensive for some reason, and like. They're, like it's just, it, I mean, like I don't think Mordecai is bad, and I, I don't want anyone to think that, like, that's the, what I'm implying here. But like, he's just missing a lot of things that do things, and the things he does are really expensive to do. And not saying any of those things are bad, but you have to have a plan for them. It's like, it's like if you if Essence Blast is your plan, like if Essence Blast is going to be a thing that's relevant, you're fighting like Death Twelve Arm like 15 16 dudes essence blast is insane um but if you're like fighting against warjacks it's not particularly good right which is where you know i think curse of shadows or something it's like, it, it, that brings them into more relevant matchups or i don't know i think they should just fix revive also that used that was his plan in mark ii because you could chain revives and still make your attacks but now that spell is just so bad i wish it would uh or bring people back to full life, then you could, your cats would be insane if you could revive them five boxes. Ugh. I think Host of Shadows. Yeah. I mean, I, he just. I think he just needs Scything Touch. I think oh, if he had Scything Touch, it's it like just kind of copy the King of Nothing design principle, right? Like, just give him the Scything Touch, and then like now he has Host of Shadows. He has Scything Touch. He has like a cool spell he can threaten weird angles from. Um, could be really cool. I love him so much. I mean, his void spirits are the sick nasty. Whoa, they're so good. Yeah, I think the problem with giving him Curse of Shadows is like your Arc Node access kind of sucks overall. Yeah, it's bad. Um, and then like Curse of Shadows is only generally good when you can actually cast it on things. <laughs> so, well, um, I mean, you, you could take in Masters of War, you could take the. Uh, yeah, the, the yeah, yeah, That'd but like, good. yeah, it's potential. It's potentially really cool. So, like, I guess like. You exist in a world where you could have like voids and curse of shadows. Like that'd be kind of neat. Yeah, I mean, I'd be all in. Oh, um, or I'm okay with that. I'm okay yeah. with that. I mean, wishlisting's fine. It's cool to talk about how things could be. Um, in terms of like cool list designs, though, I think a lot of people are sleeping on disciples of agony and Barnabas Zero. I think, um, you don't really need a lot of in faction synergies to make Barnabas Zero with some swamp horrors. Uh, particularly good. I think that's just like a thing that can just exist and it's good by itself. Mm. And uh, there's a lot of casters that actually have some pretty gnarly synergies with it. Yeah, it's a, it's a car, right? On the, I mean, protecting its stuff and mortality, of course, for, for Barney and his gator boys, if you bring those. I I love that caster too. I think he's... It's weird that he's, he's slept on because his buffs were so huge. Alpha Hunters too. Or not all, you know, Alpha Hunters. It's fantastic. That caster is well, the, the nuts. Makeda won with Barnabas. If you're going to bring some Gatorman posse yeah. and Barnabas and, and stuff, like that's like some pretty mm-hmm. cool tech. You can, you can, you can get the, the cool Barn, the, the, the cool Barnabas posse and keep them alive with your feet. 
And that is like sick as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, uh, cool stuff to look at in Scorn, but uh, I don't know if you got any more closing thoughts. I got to get my, my son is starting to stir quite a bit, so I might have to take care of this baby. Um, I mean, I, I guess the, the only thing I really, really want to bring up, and I think it's kind of, I don't know, something to talk about maybe with your local groups is uh, maybe, maybe have, instead of having like practice nights where you just go out and grind games against like, the strongest shit. Maybe talk to your groups and have nights where you go out and you play some like weird off meta, meta shit together. You know, yeah. just like you don't tech against each other and you just bring some cool dumb lists. Um, I used to do this all the time when I went to my game nights uh, before before COVID. I would just like I'd pack up one list in my bag and I'd bring like the dumbest shit I could bring, <laughs> like. Like just like oh I'm just gonna play a bunch of gun gun mages or whatever and like it doesn't matter if I lose a bunch of games like that's fine just just trying stuff out and like experimenting if you do that one night like you play a few games like that like you may actually learn something and discover something that no one else is ready for yeah and that's uh I think that's that should be that's like the heart of the game just trying to find that undiscovered territory. That's what I play for anyway. Well, Nigel, anything uh, to close out on? Or? No, no. That's a... No news? Good, nothing? Good expo- uh, news, let me think here. No, nothing really. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, like, on the cusp of being news news, but I can't... I yeah. can't, uh, can't NDA. <laughs> I mean, Muse is back. That's exciting. Muse is back, yeah. We have two episodes in the can, and neither of them edited. That's perfect. Perfect. If I had time, I would, but I just, I do not. So sorry. Oh, dude, it's totally okay. It's totally okay. Cool. Well, that's, uh, that was episode 35. Thanks, Matt, for coming on. I think it was a pretty uh, awesome chat that went all over the place, and that's the way I like it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll catch you guys later. Bye. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't I don't know how to start this. I, I mean, do we just like add, are we adding it in at the end? Hold on, right here, and we're back. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that uh, that's really important to talk about, I think, is that uh, it's playing the like known meta list that like everyone's playing and everyone gets practice against actually puts you in a really big disadvantage. Like. Um, War Machine is very different than every other competitive game on the market. So, like, one of like the games I'm very familiar with, and I play a lot of, or and used to play even more of, was Magic: The Gathering. And in Magic: The Gathering, almost everyone ends up playing the like same power decks, like the same lists, like with basically no variations. They're playing the same things. And if you look at like the top 36 of an event, it's like the same three decks on repeat. Um, and there's basically never any like rogue style, like off meta decks that come in and do really well and turn everything upside down. Um, it's very rare that that happens. And in War Machine, it's the opposite. Usually the things that do really well and always are, well, I would say always, but are usually successful are the off meta things that people weren't prepared for. Um, yeah. And like there's there's outliers to this. There's like 
Kruger too has been consistently an, a a good performer. Wormwood's been a consistently yeah. good performer because there are lists that aren't math. There are lists that are about like playing the game on the table and and like exploiting your opponent's weaknesses and in their positioning and and, and tools and all right, that right. stuff. Um, but generally the things that tend to do well at cons and tend to be successful in large numbers are off metal lists that hunt the current metal list. And I think as a community, if we all started just playing our own stuff and, and doing, and, and doing that, like it would be every, everything would be the wild west all the time. And the wild west is like the best, best state the games in when no one yeah. has any idea what anyone else is playing and you have no idea what's going on. And you're just like mm. building these like generalist lists and trying to like, like, like refine the like the like the essence of what your list does to like the core models so you can bring as many tools as external models so you can solve all the different problems that's like the war machine like the coolest parts of war machine it's, for me it's definitely the golden zone like or, or you know you have your your weird gimmick you have in your list and you're trying to exploit it as hard as you can so you're all in on your gimmick that's the most fun and so when you have everybody's doing the weird shit yeah, yeah, I just like when like people's lists are like the Narrow. they have like, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. they have like all these like weird things in them. Like I I played a game against Charles like I don't know years ago now. Probably I COVID has like really changed my perception of time. I have no idea yeah. what I was gonna say like oh like recently, but like thinking about it, it was actually like four years ago now. Jesus. Yeah, right. Like it, there was like a two year period of like the world where no one was allowed outside. So, you know, Jess and I missed that because uh, the pandemic hit the end of March in uh, 20 was God is it 2020 or 2019. I can't remember. 2019, right? 2020, 2020, 2019. No, we, we did WTC in 2019. So it was oh, yeah, 2020. Yeah. So uh, end of March 2020, the pandemic hit first week of April 2020. We started on dairy and we just were no lifers for a year and a half. So. I missed the whole pandemic. Nice. Kind of a bummer. I missed it. Um, Sounded kind of fun. No, no, it didn't. No, it was no. not. <laughs> um, yeah, so so Charles was like playing um, the the bull, Blythe and Bull. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what those models do, Charles. He like, hey, like, we're like, yeah, he, we're like, well, now it's just like like the battering or whatever it is, where it just like knocks down on hit. That's awesome. Yeah. And also, they have takedown on their melee weapons. Yeah. So I like I like I know what they do now, but like we're like playing <laughs> the game, and he just like knocks down my model. I'm just like, what? Excuse me? Excuse me, sir. <laughs> and like and like that like those moments are the best moments like when you have no idea what the other person's stuff does and you're like learning as you play and like i've i'm i'm you know i'm a veteran of war machine at this point and uh and the fact that there's still stuff i can learn like well i have no idea what that model does and that model's been around since mark ii like like yeah yeah. Like that is that is just the best. And I wish people abuse that kind of knowledge more frequently. It definitely makes for a more uh, entertaining and interesting game than like I ran my Falseer against your card shave too, which, you know, there, there does have to be. I guess it doesn't have to be, but a defined meta does kind of always shake out just because people do 
you know, want the path of least resistance. They want to play the powerful stuff. And that's how the meta develops, kind of. Everybody plays the powerful stuff. But it's more fun to rogue. Just do that. Be more fun. I mean, do whatever's fun for you. If playing the, like, meta stuff's fun for you, do that. No, 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 no. Just rogue. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I, I like, but, like, do whatever's fun. It's a game. Have fun playing it. So whatever you find fun, do it. Um, and, and one way isn't better than the other. Um, I think one way is better than the other, but you may feel differently, and that's okay. I guess. All right. Uh, read a t- tangent out again. Then we're good. We're good. Okay, and we're out. Okay, perfect. Well, I'll make that seamless. They won't even notice. <laughs> I'll probably just slap it on the end. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I've never, I don't know if you, have you guys ever spoken? I've never spoken to Matt. No. I've never spoken to you before. I've, okay. never, I've never formally met. No, this is perfect because I, I have some people in the past have said that my questions for new guests are quote unquote stereotypical. Yeah. Uh, just my icebreaker questions. I just want to iterate now, you know, before what is, I ask, what's that even mean? I, well, before I ask these questions, I just want to point out the fact I am not asking these questions because you're Canadian. Okay. I just think of these questions and I write them down <laughs> on a list. And then uh, these are the top three. Okay. All right. Do you douche. We're all good to go. Okay. Oh. So, all right. Well, no, this just, these are just icebreaker questions. But as long as we understand that I'm not, I want to make sure, I'm, I emphasize this, not stereotyping. So, Matt, what is your favorite hockey team? Uh, okay. Well, let me preface this by saying um, I'm not a big sports person in general. Oh, perfect. Um, don't, don't really love sports. but. Uh, I, I live in Montreal, and every time my team, the team of my city, loses or wins a game, there's a riot. So every team except for that team's my favorite team. <laughs> okay, just 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 an aside. Yeah, uh, I literally misinterpreted entirely your word of stereotypical. Yeah, as to mean that you're asking him like, "How are you doing? What kind of things are you into?" I thought you were saying like no, stereotypical, no, no. as in things you would typically expect, not stereotyping or slash being like racist yeah. no no it's definitely not racist but somebody somebody did somebody did point out that i always ask the australians about like vegemite when you, when you asked him about hockey immediately i was like oh what are you talking about you're you're stereotyping him nigel i i, I thought i stressed this early on that, no, that I just, is not I, what i'm doing i'm just saying that i totally did not know what the hell you were talking okay. about until you literally asked your first question and i realized the definition of stereotyping we were going with yeah uh, well, so anyways Brings me to my second question. What is your favorite uh, band by prog rock supergroup Rush? 
My favorite favorite, favorite band by Rush favorite, would be Rush. Favorite song, song by Rush. Sorry, I misspoke. <laughs> you know, I actually don't like Rush either. Oh my god! Are you sure you're Canadian? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have the I have the the birth You can hate Rush, but there's still like always. Like, it's like I'd be like a one song that you don't hate, like Spirit of Radio oh, or something. Spirit of Radio. I mean, like every everyone yeah. everyone knows Tom Sawyer, right? Like that's yeah, the, that Diane. Yeah, everybody knows what that means. That's all the reason to hate it. But yeah. like Spirit of Radio, uh, oh. you could just put the top down, drive down the highway, Man. like you know, yeah, really. So, that so like that full dis- full disclosure here, I yeah. I I if you were to look at my Spotify, you would just see only like late eighties, early early nineties punk rock music and hip hop. So that's fine. That's that's my musical taste. Mm. Recently, you should my, actually uh, talk with Jesse. Actually, see if he's not on. You guys, uh, his Spotify is just Creed. It's all Creed. <laughs> Hey man, I don't, I, I don't want to shame anyone for liking things, um, but liking Creed's pretty rough, is all I'm saying. Hey, Nigel, no stereotypical questions here, okay? Creed's okay, Canadian. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. So, um, okay. My last totally not stereotypical question. All right. Uh, I've had this question for a long time, and I thought maybe you could clear it up. But what happened in Canada's past that has ladled you with so much? generational guilt they have to apologize all the time what happened yeah so i actually grew up in california and oh, oh my god yeah yeah my my whole mom's side of the family is canadian my uh, she moved to california when i was or when she was younger and had me in um i grew up in california and when i moved back to canada um it was a weird experience to to hear everyone apologizing for apologizing <laughs> um yeah, like I, I had a buddy Alex, and we were playing like a game, and he like did something and then said sorry, and I was like, "Why are you apologizing?" And then he just said sorry again. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, that's uh, that's something else. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird, and like you know, I've lived here for long enough that I catch myself doing it now as well. I'm like, I'm not like a particularly like apologetic person, and I don't mean it when I say it usually, but. It just like is a thing that you end up picking up on and saying as well. Yeah, no, that's pretty. Okay. That's pretty go ahead. Who's who's treasured more, Dave Goulet or okay. Landis Morissette? Ooh, tough one. Is it, I mean, it de- it depends if you're a, a preteen or an adult. I guess I don't know. I, a preteen? Do I just a preteen or like either of those two? The big full house uh, fans. Oh, I yeah, see. Uh, yeah, there you go, dude. I don't. I don't know. Are they both Canadian? Yeah, Dave Goulet is the guy that Alanis Morissette based the song uh, "You Ought to Know" on. Yeah, he's she, the like, she, she went down on him in a the theater. That's fun. That's exciting. Yeah, that was Dave Goulet the whole time. I right. uh, once brought my own. I figured. Oh, to to a movie theater, dude. and I spilled yeah. them, and they went everywhere, and I felt like an asshole. So it's not quite the same. So <laughs> when I was younger, speaking of movie theaters, we had an Edwards Cinema by where I grew up. And uh, me and my buddies would go there like early in the morning. My friend worked there and he would let us into the theater. And nice. we would we would not leave all day. We wa- we'd watch like 10 movies. Whoa. Uh, and we would just be in the movie theaters just like. We'd like bring a backpack full of snacks and sodas oh and we just hang out in the movie theaters. We'd watch like, you know, like we'd go like when like, you know, they'd come out with a bunch of movies. We'd spend the whole day and watch every single movie that was in the theaters for free. And I, I mean, like, I know you're not supposed to do that, shit, but it was super fun. Yeah, man. Living the dream. Who cares? Those guys make enough money. 
Yeah, the, yeah, it was really funny. Yeah, the movie industry is not going to be hurting because you, you saw some some free movies. Yeah, I don't really understand the whole like business model of movie theaters to begin with. Like, I understand like you pay for a ticket and like you go and see the movie, and like they don't want you to see other movies because they want you to buy tickets for those movies. I like, I understand the premise behind it, but like, I mean, fuck them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And my wife and I, we 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 double watched the movie a couple. Well, actually, actually, after COVID, like the first movie after COVID came out, and she felt like a criminal for like two weeks. I was like. I, <laughs> We we paid thirteen dollars to see a movie. That's ridiculous. I'm going to see two. <laughs> well, I mean, out here it's like twenty bucks to see a movie. So. Jesus. Yeah, man. It's you know, I just paid my taxes, and all I want to say is I miss U.S. taxes a lot. Yeah, we got some stuff going for us down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a bit. Um, oh, oh my God, is that a wild Jess appearing? What? I don't know. He's online. He's on vacation. Uh, he left me. He left me to do all the work. We had it snowed every day this week in Idaho. What the hell? Uh, and he left, so I had to do all the stuff in the snow by myself. That's just the way it goes. I've, does somebody know? This, you, you see his his name on here is Jesse the Matador. Do you guys know the story of the, of that Nigel? How he got his name? Uh, my younger brother was going to Holland with my dad, which we do frequently because that's where we're from, and. Uh, the day before they left, Jess was milking, and he had his back turned like an idiot, and a bull trampled him, almost killed him. But it didn't. Oh, it just broke his shoulder and his collarbone and left me to, to do four guys' work for a month. So uh, once we found out he wasn't going to die, we immediately granted him uh, the Matador. So that's why his name is Jesse the Matador, because a bull almost killed him. But like, you're like telling me these stories about like, farm stuff and cows and pulling yeah. calves out of cows. And I like I thought this was like memes and jokes at first. No. I didn't think anyone I didn't think they had internet access and electricity on farms. <laughs> well, it's uh the connection's pretty suspect sometimes. We really yeah, got to get those cows moving, get that wheel going. Yeah, yeah. I thought once you got internet, you uh people just moved to cities, but uh I guess I guess, I guess you guys are like uh still still existing. Do you wear yeah. do you wear like cowboy boots and cowboy hats? No, no, no. I don't do any of that stuff. Just wear normal boots and overalls and nothing underneath. Keep it spicy. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, pretty good. 